Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 29 of Brody Sports Talk. My name is Caleb Walgren, the founder and the humble host of the show. Um, maybe not quite so humble all the time, but that's okay. And I am joined uh, not by Derek Rusnick this week. Uh, he is officially been put on the injured list like many of the players in the NFL. And uh, while he is on the injured list, uh, I've called up uh, John Anderson again. Uh, he, he came in a few weeks ago for our Thanksgiving special and now uh, calling him up from the practice squad to go ahead and join us for this episode of the podcast. Uh, John, welcome to the active roster. And uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Uh, it's great to be here. I think I can be called up one more time before you have to sign me to the uh, the active roster. But uh, it's good to be here. Absolutely. It is a fun time. And we are going to go ahead and just have some fun talking about things in the world of sports, primarily the NFL. But there's definitely some college football and a little bit of other things that we're just tossing in here every now and again. So let's go ahead and get things started, John. Uh, it, just as a disclaimer, because Derek is out this week, it is going to be a little odd. Sometimes we have some stuff that Derek shared in the notes, and we want to give his thoughts where we can. But we also just sometimes have just John's thoughts and not Derek's. So we're going to just bounce around and just hopefully you pay attention to who said what. Uh, because it's going to be weird and fun, but such is the nature of a podcast. So uh, let's get things started. I'm going to go ahead and get us kicked off with the Brody Spotlights, John, uh, with my hot take of bye weeks need to end earlier in the season. Uh, John, do you have any like curious thoughts about that? Like why you think I'm coming up with that? The NFL bye weeks need to be different. Uh, sometimes it's a thousand teams on by, sometimes it's two teams on by, but yeah, getting them out of the way a little bit earlier in the season would be awesome. I just think that it's really a weird disparity when you look at the college or the NFL schedule and you have had teams like the Browns, Chargers, Seahawks, and Bucks who had a week five by Literally, they played four games, got their chance to rest, and now they have to play another 13 games in a row, no break. And there's other teams that play their 13 games in a row, get a bye, and then kind of get to come in for the home stretch, which is what we're getting this coming weekend as uh, the Cardinals and Commanders are ready to make that playoff push. Oh, wait. Uh, no. uh, but they are coming off of a bye, or they're taking their bye this week and trying to come off of it and make a run for the draft picks or something. I don't they're know exactly make... what those teams are trying to do. Uh, they're going to make they some are... real big adjustments after the bye. I yeah. think that will they're, they're doing some self-scouting this something. week during the bye week, and they will uh, adjust something uh, afterwards. Because well, that's, that's what teams attempt to do. Well, that's the the other thing. If you have a bye week early in the season, you you don't really have enough time to see what you have with any of the rookies, with any of new coordinators, new anybody, to then make any adjustments to make yourself better for the rest of the 13 games. And if you need to make that change and your bye week is week 15, what are you going to do till then? You just kind of have to do with what you have. 
So, so in, I think that where I'm kind of at with all of this, John, is I'd really like to see bye weeks condensed during the season between weeks 7 through 12. And I know that a lot of people aren't going to like that because week 12 is Thanksgiving week, and so you already get a lot of teams that play early in the week and then get like that extended by afterwards. But I also just go, we shouldn't have as big of a gap. If we did that, it would be literally six teams on by every week for six weeks. It would be consistent-ish feeling. And, like, yes, is it still going to be difficult? Yeah. I know fantasy football players or managers are not going to enjoy the fact that there's six teams on by every week. But they don't enjoy the week that there's six teams on by anyway because it feels so different. And then not to mention the fact that we had two random non-bye weeks in the middle of all the bye weeks. Like Those even could have been bye weeks, too. Just yeah, spread them out. Even if you just make it 6 through 13, you're still saying five games before and five games after buys instead of whatever the NFL is doing now. I just want to see more balance, more fairness, and a little bit less week 14 by like, yes, I'm still getting used to an 18-week season because I have been watching football too long, and that's okay. I, I'm fine with there being 17 games in 18 weeks. And I either want there to be 19 weeks in some sort of double buy or something, but there should not be whatever this is. This is This is too much of a mess. Do do it better next year, NFL. I think they need to use a a different AI to to set the schedule this year, this next year. I mean, they could always hire Brody Sports Talk to do it. We would be willing to step in. Uh, we we do have a a qualifying bid of them needing to pay us ten million dollars uh, a season to get the schedule correct. I, I'm waiting for the NFL to call us. We'll see if that happens. Uh, as far as Derek's take, he did have one provided here, and he was just saying with conference realignment and college football, let's go to a relegation system and create an upper and lower league. Uh, John, are you familiar with the concept of relegation? Uh, only, only recently in, in like the, uh, the soccer football arena, the premier league and, and all of that. So I, I, I get the concept. I'm not sure exactly how it would work. In the college football, because the college football conferences are all a mess anyway, so it couldn't possibly be worse. So I think the way that all of this would end up working is you would take the new top four conferences, and we're going to merge some of the bottom four conferences together to get whatever they need to happen to be. Um, the Mountain West, the American the Sun USA instead of Conference USA and the Sun Belt, they just kind of merge. Um, and sure, we'll say the MAC somehow exists and maybe they get Hawaii in their conference because the ge- geography doesn't matter. Uh, we all, it, it's all just kind of a, a bunch of chaos anyway. And for the heck of it, we would say Notre Dame joined a conference too. Ha ha. So with this happening. upper and lower league concept, you would take I would pair up the leagues with each other. So let's say the big, well, we'll start with the SEC because the SEC 
is down there in the southeast. The Sun Belt is also frequently down there with a lot of teams like Troy and South Alabama and those type of teams. So if you win the Sun Belt, you would get promoted into the SEC the following year. Whereas if you are the worst team in the SEC, sorry, Vanderbilt, you have been demoted to the Sun Belt the following year. Uh, and so there's a little bit more incentive in some of those late in this year games to keep getting wins for those teams that are bad. Um, I love this in professional sports, John, because it really does make it in those soccer leagues that every team has something to play for. Everyone's trying to stay out of the bottom of the table. And compared to sports teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates or teams in the NBA that have done tanking now for a few years, uh, probably the 76ers are the biggest example where they were like, trust the process, and they traded away all their stars, got a bunch of draft picks, and then just drafted high. Well, if all of a sudden it's, hey, 76ers, if you <laughs> don't win enough games, you're going down a league. Uh, nope, nope, we're going we're gonna to get some people in here. So uh, all of a sudden it really changes people's mindset because you can't just be bad for a year or two and get over it. Uh, you have to always try to be competitive, and I think that's what's good in sports. Do I think it's right for college sports? I don't know, but that's the how I would put it together, John, is you would make an upper league and a lower league for each conference where it's like, I almost would call it, uh, just for fun, I would call it like SEC and then SEC Junior. And, uh, like, uh, I'm sure no one would take offense to that at all. Or like SEC Plus and SEC Minus. Um, <laughs> maybe we can actually get the right number of teams in some of those uh, big conferences. The Big Ten and the Big 12 that don't have the right number of schools in their conference. We could, but that doesn't matter. We could, we could call it the kids' table. And then the grown-ups table. I mean, the grown-ups table also would be where the majority of the money is, and that's where the majority of the money is now. So we're not really changing all that much when we discuss it that way. Um, last but not least, I do want to go ahead and jump over here in the spotlights to my take in the wide world of sports, where, John, this upcoming weekend we do have the Sweet 16 in women's college volleyball i'm going to continue to come in hype volleyball because it's awesome uh all of the games are taking place this coming uh thursday the 7th and they're all throughout the day like uh louisville and creighton are going to be taking on each other at 11 a.m central (laughs) washington state and pittsburgh are the next game like, they have games scheduled throughout the day. Uh, Nebraska plays Georgia Tech at 1. Arkansas plays Kentucky at 3.30. And that'll be in Nebraska because they'll be hosting that regional. It's going to be a little bit of chaos and a lot of fun because everyone who's left at this point is good. Uh, I was looking at the bracket, and the the worst seed to make it to the Sweet 16 is a 5-seed. We're talking ones and fives. Maybe if there's a four in there, you made it there, Washington State. Good job. And uh, every the the twos and threes are in the other side. Like it is going to be competitive. 
I know all of these teams play well, and I'm excited to let the best of the best get out there, try to make it to the next weekend where they will be playing in Tampa, Florida for a national championship. So I'm intrigued. Obviously, I'm a Nebraska fan. I'm a Nebraska homer. I'm going to say if I had to pick today from the top of the bracket, I'm taking Nebraska and Wisconsin because they were one and two all year. On the bottom side of the bracket, it pains me to do this, but I'm going to take Texas. I don't like Texas. And I'm going to to say that, that Creighton comes out of there. Creighton is another uh, school in Nebraska up in Omaha. I think that they are going to be fierce. And they swept Minnesota, which Minnesota was no joke. I don't know how they weren't a ranked seed in this tournament. But uh, give me Creighton to advance out of their region. Uh, John, do you have any thoughts? Or are you just kind of curious about all of this? What are you thinking about uh, NCAA volleyball? I was sad that Nebraska took out the Tigers from Missouri, so it it happens. But and it was a pretty good pretty good match. But uh, definitely some great teams in there. There's, I think, um, with all of the records that volleyball has been setting in attendance, I think it's a great. Like I think there's more focus on it than ever, and and I think that's great. That's true. Definitely more eyes on it than ever. Uh, Nebraska did uh, happen to sweep Missouri 25-14, 25-19, 25-21. Go Big Red. All right. Uh, now, while I like to claim that I can get a ton of things right, I'm going to take a moment and go over Derek and I's over and under results from the preseason because uh, we do get things wrong. And not only do we get them wrong, but we got these things uh, very wrong as the Texans and Colts had over-unders of six and a half before the season. Uh, they both got their seventh win this past week, uh, despite the injury to Tank Dell and despite the fact that Indianapolis apparently is really good at getting Tennessee's special teams coach fired uh, because of all the punt blocks that happened for the Colts. But uh, they both got the seven wins. We both had picked the under on those teams. We were both wrong. Uh, alas, the Jets have gone under nine and a half. This was a one that I pretty much saw going wrong despite their week one win over the Buffalo Bills. Aaron Rodgers tearing his Achilles on the fourth play of the game. Not great. I'll also sit here today while we're recording and say, I think they probably would have gone under nine and a half with Aaron Rodgers. Their line looks bad. Their play calling looks bad. It's not like... Rodgers and Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall can only do so much with an inept play caller and a bad offensive line. Uh, but it would be better than uh, to boiling it up. So uh, it's so it's so hard to to talk about in in hypothetical like that. But I just I don't know. I think you're probably right. But with Aaron Rodgers in the pocket instead of whoever they decide. Zach Wilson, I mean, he just stands back there for like 10 minutes. And so it doesn't really matter if they had a good O-line. Somebody's going to get back there by the time he's ready to throw the ball. So maybe a different quarterback. But, yeah, you're probably right. I think they'd probably go under even with Aaron Rodgers. 
I mean, I would at least flip two games, maybe three their way. Uh, probably the Patriots game from early in the year. Uh, the Raiders game that they lost close. Uh, and probably the one that they lost this past week against the Falcons, because that was a game that I hope no one actually watched. Um, uh, last but not least, there is one that I did get right, and that is that the Patriots did go under seven and a half wins. They are two and ten. They can only get two seven wins. So therefore, the under of seven and a half is a win for me. Uh, just me, not, not Derek. Uh, sorry, Derek. Haha, ha, I was right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Derek's not here, so I, I'm sorry if I'm rubbing a little bit more salt in the wound than normal. That's where the humble host comes in, and I think. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, speaking of just uh, bragging about things, why don't I go ahead and go to my goat of the week uh, from this past week's performance, which uh, I decided to pick a player that has had a bit of a rough year, uh, despite the fact that he is awesome, and that is Christian Watson, number nine, for the best football team in, in all the land. Uh, the Green Bay Packers. I, I am the owner of that team and I, I definitely was happy when they, they drafted him a couple of years ago. Uh, but he went out, had a great game, uh, ended up having two carries for 15 yards, but primarily we're talking about his seven catches for 71 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, he looked good. He looked really good. I know that. Uh, I'm going to use Goat in a little bit of both senses this week because he played fantastic, but on the last run that he had, uh, it looked like he stretched his hamstring wrong and he got taken off the field. So Christian Watson, I want you to come back. I want you to play not only because uh, we both love the Packers and you have the same initials as me, but also because I have you on some fantasy teams and I would like for you to play well for those as well. Uh, but I think that probably my favorite play with him in that game had to be the touchdown in the second half where Jordan Love just rifled one uh, just past the Chiefs defender. Watson gets up very high, which, I mean, that's part of what makes him great. He has great speed and great size. He's 6'4". He may not always look 6'4", but he got up there grabbed it at the top of where anyone could reach it, got both of his feet in, and it was just nice. It was a really solid play, and I was really excited to see him kind of spring to life the last few weeks. Uh, he, If you we go back to uh, the game against the Chargers, uh, he would have four touchdowns over the last three games. And... Th- as much as we want to say, hey, look, Jordan Love is playing better, which is what I'm seeing all over Packers Twitter this week, uh, Jordan Love is playing better because his most athletic receiver was healthy and on the field and finally able to do what he needed to do. And we don't know how long that's going to happen because he might be out for a bit. Uh, John, any thoughts here about Christian Watson? I mean, it's... It's kind of feels like the end of last year. He was catching touchdowns on a seemingly unsustainable pace, and now he's catching touchdowns at a seemingly unsustainable pace. And uh, he's got a quarterback that can hit tight windows somehow. I'm not sure where this guy was the beginning of the season. Well, not the beginning of the season. He was great the beginning of the season, and then he just wasn't. 
for like four games. So yeah, Christian Watson, he's the guy. He's, he's tall. He can catch the ball. And usually when he catches it, he's in the end zone or gets there real quick. He definitely has the legs to get there fast too. So last but not least, let's go ahead and get into, uh, one of Derek's last points that he had for us on here, uh, before we get to the Brody bets, of course, but his go to the week was Jordan Travis. Uh, Jordan Travis, of course, being the quarterback for the Florida State Seminoles, who were the team that was eliminated from the postseason because the college football postseason is weird. And they were like, oh, well, you don't have a good enough quarterback right now. Well, Jordan Travis was hurt. And so because he was hurt, uh, his team did miss the college football playoff. Unfortunately, though, as they announced the Heisman finalists for, you know, the best player in all of college football, he's not invited to go there either. So not only is he so good that the team cannot possibly do well in the postseason without him, but he's also not good enough to be the one of the top players in college football to get invited to go to New York to potentially win the award for the best player in all of college football. Of course, the players that did get named for that award are Jaden Daniels from LSU, Bo Nix from Oregon, Michael Penix Jr. from Washington, and Ohio State receiver Marvin Harrison Jr., who is the only non-quarterback to go. And considering the fact that this is typically a quarterback award, he probably is not going to win, but he at least gets to be there and represent uh, what will be next year three Big Ten schools of the four invited. <laughs> uh, John, what do you think about this kind of mess as far as Jordan Travis is concerned? Obviously, he was electric. He's a good player. But it seems like you you can't have it both ways, and college football literally is having it both ways. Yeah, I don't I don't think both both are true. Like you're, you're he's either great and and the committee decides that since he's injured it's not going to be a good game or whatever algorithm they use to send Alabama instead um it's he's either that good and he gets invited to the Heisman conversation or he's not so i they can't have it both ways but somehow i don't know college college football I'm more an NFL guy and recently getting into the college football scene. It just seems so disorganized is one way of putting it. Unfair is another way of putting it. So just to be clear for Jordan Travis this year, he was throwing about 64% completion percentage, had 20 passing touchdowns and two picks, and then also had seven rushing touchdowns. So a bit of a dual threat. They don't really use him a lot as a dual threat. He only had 176 rushing yards this year. But the fact that he is able to go out, beat you with his arm, and also come out and beat you with his legs when he needs to, he is really good. He's very good. And it's unfortunate because I think if he wasn't hurt, he probably 
would get to do both. He would have taken Florida State undefeated the way that they did anyway, and they would have gone to the college football playoff because they would have said, well, of course we have to put them in. They're undefeated, and they have Jordan Travis, which is at least half of what the committee should have done anyway. And he would have also gotten invited to Newark for the Heisman. Uh, unfortunately for him, like there were so many players that did well this year that him getting hurt and missing the last couple games of the season really cost him his chance of going in there for that award. But Jordan Travis, uh, we love you here at Brody Sports Talk. So mad respect to you. Uh, and you are Derek's goat of the week. John, it is time to invest and get rid of some investments that we no longer want. Uh, it's time to buy and sell in the stock watch. John, I know that you are a savvy stock trader. Uh, who are you looking to buy this week? I am looking to buy. Sometimes you you really don't believe in a stock but you know they're going to make a bunch of money if you get in on the ground floor and if you kind of invest in it. Sometimes you don't really like them a lot. That's kind of where I'm at with the Green Bay Packers. I'm not a homer like uh, Brody Sports Talk owner, founder, and owner of the the Packers. Um, but I think they're they're six and six. There's a lot of teams at six and six in that conference or division right now. Um, I think they're the one that's going to pull it out. They're the way they've turned it around, the way they're playing. I think they are a lock for the playoffs. I don't know how the high they'll get, but they're definitely making it there. You heard it from John, definitely making the playoffs for the Green Bay Packers. It wasn't me. I didn't. I didn't try to like persuade him, Derek. Uh, this is John talking willfully on his own accord, saying that he thinks the Packers are a lock for the playoffs. And you said that $5 was, was a check in the mail? Yeah, dude, it'll definitely come in the mail at some point, John. <laughs> no, they're good. I just don't. Yeah, they're good. Well, I'll have, I have to say it. They beat the Chiefs. So, uh, I'm doing some last-minute switching here on my stock ticker as I'm going to switch, and I'm actually going to go ahead and buy the Miami Dolphins to be the number one seed in the postseason in the AFC. So the Dolphins currently do have the tiebreaker in the NFC, and when I look at their upcoming schedule, I look at it and I go, I'm not worried about a lot of this. They host the Titans. Uh, I'm sorry. The Titans are a pass funnel defense and just fired their special teams coordinator. Uh, Mike Vrabel is probably on the hot seat and will be going soon. Dolphins win. Uh, they play the Jets again. Ha, 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 ha. Okay. They play. <laughs> they get to host the Dallas Cowboys at home on Christmas Eve. The, you could argue that could be a game, but the Dolphins definitely, Tua gets the ball out fast. Their pass rush is going to be mitigated by that. And I think that 
Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle will make the Cowboys secondary make enough mistakes. Uh, see DK Metcalf from last Thursday night football for more evidence of this. I think the Dolphins can, will be able to keep up and get some points against Dallas as well. And their defense has also stepped up lately. Then they have the Ravens. That's really going to be the one that probably clinches it because we all know that the Ravens are right up there in the hunt as well. But I also think the Ravens have a chance of slipping in the division a little bit in the AFC North, and maybe it doesn't matter as much. Then they host the Bills at the end of the season. You can tell me a lot of things about the Bills, but I'm not going to all of a sudden jump on the fact that they're going to be a a threat right now. Could they be dangerous if they need to win that one for the postseason? Yes. I don't know that that's the case. So give me the Dolphins going out, winning these next two, and then getting into the postseason with some battle-tested teams there at the end of the season. Uh, John, are you shocked that I uh, am all of a sudden going fins up here and joining two and on <laughs> and uh, going all in on the Dolphins to win the number one seed? I think I'm not shocked. That's a great great pick. They really can do it. I do think that game versus Baltimore is going to uh, – that's going to be the biggest test. I think you're right about the Cowboys. Uh, I don't know if Bland will rack up another pick six in that game. Tua can throw the interceptions just as well as he can throw touchdowns. But um, overall, I think that's the – their biggest hurdle and I think barring slipping to the Ravens they will be the number one seed I think that's a great pick um now as far as selling is concerned John what's a stock that you may have gotten some uh, early in the season maybe even in the preseason that you're like I've got to get rid of this instantly uh sell 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 uh <laughs> you're kind of like uh just uh, you're having a fire sale with this stock that you can't get rid of it fast enough. Well, I thought that I'd sold it all, and then I found another share that I, I had to get rid of, and it's the Pittsburgh Steelers making the playoffs. Um, I I got sucked into the preseason hype. I watched some hype videos of, of training camp for the Steelers, and they just looked so good. And Kenny Pickett was going to take a giant step forward, and with all those weapons around him, and now it's just, I mean, Tomlin can get wins, but I don't think he can with Trubisky and whoever else they have. I don't think they're going to, I think they'll slip, drop two to four more games and they just miss out on the playoffs again. I think that you could very well be right on that. Uh, uh, no one goes, oh yeah, get excited for Trubisky. Like no, no one. Uh, the, there's not enough. Maybe there's not enough Mitchell Trubisky hype videos. Maybe that's what the problem is. Uh, or you can't make them because you don't actually believe. Uh, I think you have to use actual footage of Mitch Trubisky to make those hype videos, and I think that's. Good footage of Mitch Trubisky doing good football things, I think, is what what they're still looking to find. I mean, 
Chicago did trade up in the draft to get him instead of uh, to get ahead of the 49ers. So uh, good job doing that, Bears. Uh, and uh, wait, what's this? Uh, Caleb's going to make up a joke about uh, the Packers and the Bears. Okay, so John, I know that you were not into football much at that time. Do you know quarterbacks that went off the board after Mitch Trubisky in the 2017 draft? Would you like to be informed while we are on this podcast? <laughs> I would love to be informed. No, I didn't follow football in okay. 2017, but I'm sure it was still being played, and there were great quarterbacks that went off the board after Mitch Trubisky. Well, so first off, Trubisky went number two. So number two overall. Uh, at number eight, this isn't a quarterback, but it's worth mentioning. Uh, the Carolina Panthers drafted this guy named Christian McCaffrey. Hmm, I've heard of him. Yeah, he's not on the Panthers anymore. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs drafted a player at number 10 overall named Patrick Mahomes. I've heard of him too. Okay. Uh, the Houston Texans drafted a guy named Deshaun Watson. Also have heard of him, maybe, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's the main ones there as far as quarterbacks. Uh, T.J. Watt somehow went 30th in that draft to the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was a steal. Um, we'll be here all week, folks. You can uh, replay that joke as many times as you want. Um, but please don't. But I, I just figured I wanted to make sure you knew uh, Trubisky – went before uh, Mahomes and Watson. Uh, It's something that Packers fans have made fun of the Bears for many times and uh, well-deserved. Apparently the NFL gets it wrong sometimes. (laughs) I think it's uh, fair enough to upgrade that to frequently uh, for some teams. Maybe the Bears are one of those teams. Last but not least, John, I've got some stock to sell. I I wanted to to believe in Gino. I wanted to believe in uh Tyler Lockett and I wanted to uh take the Seahawks to the moon. Uh that's a Lockett rocket joke for those of you who don't get that. And uh I am going to sell uh, Seattle's chances in the NFC. They have lost 3 in a row in fairly rough fashion and four of their last 5 with their only win coming as a three-point home win over the Commanders in the month of November. Uh, you might remember they started November by getting absolutely obliterated by the Ravens, where they only scored three points. I did see a Ravens defender after the Thursday night game, like, quote, tweet someone from the Cowboys and say, bruh, we only gave them three points to that team. <laughs> and I loved it. Um Seattle stretch is not getting easier right now. They get to travel to San Francisco, who wants to win first of the NFC West and still has a chance at the one seed after beating Philly this past week. And then after they get the 49ers, who are trying to complete that Cowboys sandwich because they played them on Thanksgiving as well, uh, they get to go home 
and they get a nice game against another group of birds on Monday Night Football as they take on the Eagles. Uh, I think it's fair to chalk that up to a loss as well, and that'll put them at 6-8, and eight, even if somehow they did find a way to squeak out some wins because their last three games are Titans, Steelers, Cardinals, two of three on the road there. Their only home game of those three is Pittsburgh. And let's face it, maybe Pickett is back then. Someone's got to win that game. We, we're both selling both of them, so <laughs> it could be a tie. Uh, can, so. can both teams lose? <laughs> no, they can't both lose, can they? I think yeah. if it were possible, uh, it could Sometimes be Sometimes the fans lose, and I believe that that's called uh, the 6-0 game between the Chargers and Patriots. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, that, no, it's, it's well-deserved that that was, I, I wasn't able to watch it. I was out and about and just had it in my ear with Chargers radio and it was just sad. The whole game was very, very sad. And, uh, last but not least, uh, well, not last, we do need to talk about our game of the week. This week's game of the week is the Sunday night football game between the Eagles and Cowboys that we were referring to earlier. John, what is the matchup that you are most looking forward to in this contest? Uh, I like wide receivers versus cornerbacks matchups. It's one of, one of my favorite parts of football that I've discovered is when a good receiver matches up against a good cornerback, uh, can, can the quarterback overcome it? Can the receiver get open? Can the cornerback get between? And in this game, of course, I'm talking about CD Lamb and Darius Slay. Big play Slay. Um, that it's going to be big plays either way. You're either going to have CD Lamb for multiple touchdowns possibly again or shut down corner. Uh, I think that's a little bit less likely, but it's something to watch. And I think it'll be interesting because I do think there's a chance that CD moves around the field quite a bit. And so we get a little bit of him versus Slay, him against his own. Um, I think it's a question of how, how much does CD get? CD's been getting so much in this offense because if you ask me, he's been the most valuable player on the Cowboys. I know Dak's up there in the MVP race. I don't care. CD Lamb is the reason why Dak is looking good this year. Uh, he's, getting so many targets and like I'm not going to really get hyped about the fact that the second best option in that passing attack is like Jake Ferguson or Brandon cooks. That is, that's not that much to get hyped about. So I think it's going to be a fun game to watch CD lamb, uh, get out there and take care of business. Uh, but I'm going to be looking at a little bit of a battle in the trenches on the other side, Micah Parsons is going to get moved around. We all know that he's been up there in the running for defensive player of the year for several years. They like to rush him in pass rush situations. And the Eagles do have one of the best offensive lines in all of football. So give me more of that. Let me see Micah Parsons against both of the offensive tackles because he's going to go up against both of them. I don't need to name one because he's going to go on the left side and go against uh, Mylotta, or he's going to go against, I want to say it's Jordan Mylotta. Uh, and on the right side, he'll be going up against Lane Johnson. Like, we all know that there's going to be things going down 
in that pass rush game as it is going to be exciting and interesting to see what exactly happens each time Micah Parsons is trying to go out there and get Jalen Hurts. I mean, Parsons still has 11 and a half sacks this year. I think that sometimes people feel like it might be down. What we don't realize, there are so many people that are hitting double-digit sacks already this year. And it's not slowing down anytime soon. Uh, currently, the league leader in sacks is Khalil Mack with 15. And I know that uh, that is a number that makes John quite happy. So uh, I need to make sure I shared that while we were here. But even a player like Justin Matabuke has 10 sacks. Uh, like any, There's so much that's going on in the, the pass rush game. And I, I think that's part of why we're seeing all the quarterbacks get hurt because the pass rushers are getting there. Uh, are you excited to see Micah Parsons in this game, John? I am. Uh, he is. I I don't know how, how he gets past everybody. Like I I see it happen. There's there's players in between him and the quarterback, and they're big players, and they're fast players, and they're players with long arms. And then suddenly he's behind them all, and he's sacking the quarterback. It's 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 amazing to watch. He he and even like. That's a that's a deceptive number. He only has that many sacks. The number of times he's gotten back there to actually disrupt plays is is much higher than that. So it's not just about getting all the way back there, like forcing incompletions, forcing the quarterback to give up on a play that could develop a little bit more if he had just a couple more seconds. Uh, that's the untold story of of Mike Parsons. He's so disruptive. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I did double check. I was going over to pro football reference for this, John, uh, because they, they have a stat that they show on there that in addition to sacks, it will show quarterback hits. So it's 11 and a half sacks and 26 quarterback hits. Quarterback that's hits. The other part. <laughs> yeah. That's like, the other part. <laughs> and that's not saying how many times did someone get throw the ball poorly because Micah Parsons was in their face. <laughs> Possibly that pass went the way of Deron Bland, who may have taken it back to the house because he does that sometimes. Yes. Anything can happen. So I I think it will definitely be worth watching Micah Parsons because we don't ex- I don't expect to see a bunch of holding calls, but I do want to see just some some talented line play and some good great pass rush as we know Michael Parsons is going to be bringing it every play. Oh, John, I uh, see so you put your hand up there. I'll give you that high five and uh, go get some handshakes ready. Uh, it is time for our Brody Betts segment. Of course, uh, normally I would let Derek talk about this, but we don't bet money on these. We don't do anything like that. We're uh, usually uh, in Oklahoma. We're an Oklahoma-based podcast, at least. And uh, here in this state, we are not allowed to do that. Uh, but in general, we're also not normally good. This last week, we were fairly good. We do give out high fives and handshakes. Derek went three and two with an impressive call, taking the Bama plus six versus Georgia as they got the upset and then upset everyone when they got into the college football playoff. And then uh, we also had him taking the Dolphins minus nine and a half against the Commanders as the Dolphins won by 30. So just barely covering that nine and a half point spread. Uh, 
And then uh, in the game before his Gundy Grinders, uh, the Oklahoma State Cowboys and Texas Longhorns combined to put up 70, which means they went over the 55 and a half, just like Derek predicted. Uh, unfortunately, result was not what he wanted there or in Houston as Broncos country. He took them plus three and a half. They ended up being plus five as they lost to the Texans 22 to 17. And then uh, his wild card was very wild. Uh, he, he picked uh, Liberty in New Mexico State to go under 54 and a half. Uh, just a bit outside on that one, Derek. But we'll just let that one go for you there. Uh, meanwhile, last week I went into the transfer portal, got Michigan minus 23 against Iowa. They did win 26 to nothing. And I did hear that the, the bar that was in Iowa that said they were giving away, uh, or it was like a golf, uh, range that said, Hey, we're giving out free beer to everyone until Iowa scores points in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, they didn't score any points and the, the golf establishment did not go bankrupt. So good job golf establishment for getting a lot of free press and, apparently losing a lot of money on that game. Uh, meanwhile, I also took the Packers plus six and a half against the Chiefs. They won outright 27 to 19. I took the Lions minus four against the Saints, which was super close as they won by five, 33 to 28. And I also took Washington plus nine and a half against Oregon. They won outright 34 to 31. The one I did get wrong and probably because I didn't realize that uh, Willie Havert uh, I, that's not his name. The the coach of Tulane was basically getting ready to go into a contract with Houston to be their head coach next year, and it was announced at halftime of the game. That's brutal. Uh, I had Tulane minus five and a half against uh future Atlantic Coast Conference school SMU. Uh, Dallas has such beautiful views of the Atlantic Coast as uh, SMU won that game twenty six to fourteen. Uh, granted, Cal and um Stanford also have great views of the Atlantic Coast. Uh, <laughs> that gets us to this week's I, games. So, uh, John, did you want to comment on any of those bef- from last week before we jump into this week? Uh, no, I, I just thought Iowa could score some points, but apparently they're allergic to scoring points. So they didn't. They did not. So. Uh, let's go to this week's games, and I'm going to actually get things jump-started with Derek's wild card, because it is the Thursday night game of the week between the Patriots and the Steelers. Get ready. It's Bailey Zappi. It's Mitchell Trubisky. It's Thursday night football on Amazon Prime. Yeah, Amazon, we've also told you, you could sponsor us, so please hit us up. Um, yeah, uh, Derek, surprisingly, or non-surprisingly, is taking the under 30.5 points for that game, because... Will anyone score? Uh, we will find out on Thursday Night Football this week. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be good at all. Uh, next up, let's go to the, the college game of the week. I called it the salute to service for both Derek and I on our picks. Uh, Derek is taking Army to get bull eligible against Navy. So he's taking Army minus two. Uh, being the son of a Marine, I am obligated to take the Marines as part of the branch of the Navy to say, uh, go Navy, be Army, and I'm going to take Navy and Army over 27 and a half for my official pick, but I also just want Navy to go out there and get the win. Anchors away, my boys, go midshipmen. 
John, any thoughts about uh, Army Navy this week? Um, I, I apparently it's it's uh, one of the games that is filled with that uh, that pageantry and tradition that is so college football. And so I I've never seen the the Army Navy game, but I might uh, might tune in for this one. Definitely recommend it. It's one of those unique experiences in college football where, yes, it's about the game, but also, no, it's not about the game. And uh, I could be wrong, but I think both of these teams still run the triple option. So it also means get excited for football that you are not used to seeing. <laughs> and somehow it'll still be more exciting than Iowa football. Um, somehow. <laughs> Next up, let's go ahead and get to the rivalry of the week, which is Broncos Country versus Bolt Up. Derek is going to go ahead, and in this matchup, it is the Broncos plus three or Chargers minus three with an over-under of 44.5. Derek is saying, hey, we we tried to get up there with the bowl with the Houston Texans last week. It didn't go well. Um but we're we're going to try to ride the lightning this week. So uh let's ride. Broncos plus 3 against uh John's team. So uh so he's definitely feeling <laughs> it. Uh let's see if he gets that W. Uh John, I I have a feeling that you are feeling uh slightly different. I am feeling slightly different mostly out of desperation and hope. Um they really really need this game to to uh, I'm not sure that a six nothing victory over the Patriots is really inspiring a lot of confidence about our, our postseason hopes, which are mostly gone at this point. But uh, we really need this game to uh, to uh, I, we need it. It's just to, it's to stop the skid, stop to prove that we're good enough to be in the NFL and that our coach isn't immediately fired. So. Uh, it is at the Chargers, so it would be pretty disappointing to be like fired at your home locker room. Um, <laughs> which, but it could which, happen. It it is. I don't know how many L's get to go up on that schedule before Brandon Staley is fired. I don't know, but apparently it's more than we already have. So Brandon Staley, just adding some extra L's in there for you, John. There's plenty. Uh, there's plenty of L's to go around. Uh, let's go ahead and go to my favorite team. It is a late game on the schedule this week, but, uh, my cheeseheads are going to travel to the Meadowlands and take on the New York football giants as they are a six and a half point favorite. And the over under in this game is 36 and a half. You know me, uh, I'm going to go ahead and quote our pass rusher, Rashawn Gary, who is probably looking forward to feasting and getting after Tommy DeVito, who is still supposed to be starting this week, as he says, put cheese on everything. So I'm going to go ahead and put cheese on my picks this week. Minus six and a half for me as I sprinkle a little cheddar on, uh, not for real. We already just, just using the illusion here. Just, uh, just actual cheese. Actual yeah. cheese. Not. <laughs> I was like, uh, wait, wait, that probably sounds different. Uh, yes. Packers minus six and a half. Um, I don't know. The Giants are coming off their bye, so you know what that means. It means they didn't lose last week. Uh, so 
Uh, Tommy DeVito did not get sacked at all last week. Exactly. So we need to increase those numbers. Uh, last week was some rookie numbers. Uh, there is a Monday Night Football doubleheader this week, which actually is a little bit weird. So for my favorite, I'm going ahead and just taking both favorites on Monday night. So I'm taking the Packers minus the six and a half. Give me the Dolphins minus 13 against the Titans. This just in, the Dolphins are good, the Titans are not. So I'm going with the simple one here as I think Mike McDaniel is going to have a heyday in this one. Uh, let's take a, a look around here because I think I'm going to need to go west. Uh, but before I go all the way west to Derek's favorite, wh- who do you have as your favorite this week, John? My favorite is the Chiefs versus the Bills at home at Arrowhead. They just came out of Lambeau with a loss. I think getting back home, uh, struggling before the bye Bills team. I think this is a get right game for. Patrick Holmes, maybe we can figure out if any of the receivers on the Chiefs, besides Rasheed Rice, can catch a football. Uh, it's possible. I hear it's possible. Um, but, yeah, I think I'm taking the Chiefs. Uh, what is the spread? Uh, two and a half. Two and a half. I think I'll take the Chiefs to two and a half. Um, so, John, I'm going to check and see if you know this because there's some things I've been learning from the Internet this past week. Um, apparently, it is easier to catch the ball if you don't have someone climbing over your back. I have. Uh, also, it's a lot easier to catch the ball if someone is not pushing you with both of their hands at once. Yes. Those Especially are things if it's that the I... last play of the game. I have heard that, and I've heard – that I I think that the the one that you're referring to that that was not called pass interference was not called pass interference because the ball was uncatchable because it was thrown to Marcus Valdez Scantling. I think that's I think that's why that didn't get called. And because he used to be a Packer, we know that he is unable to catch things. So uh, you might as well just act like he is, you know, the pylon or anything else that is out there on yeah. the field that can be. Yeah. Pretty much ignored when you're trying to make a play on the ball. Uh, um, there's, there is a lot. Like if if you have to rely on two or three calls, that's like the game didn't come down to that. Like there was a lot more going on. There were drops and miscommunications, and it it wasn't just that. But it's certainly frustrating to to have that happen on top of drops and poor fever play and running the wrong routes and all that. Well, as we are talking about favorites, we're talking about Derek's favorite bandwagon team as we head all the way to the NFC West and out to the West Coast, as he is probably uh, at home saying, bang, bang, Niner gang, and he's taking the Niners minus the 10 and a half against the Seattle Seahawks in a contest where uh, I think he's just having the Niners ride high after that win against Philly come home and put a beating down on the Seahawks who are sold. So uh, I'm, I'm with you on that one, Derek. Uh, bang, bang, Niner gang. John, you look puzzled. Have you not heard that one yet? Because my, uh, my West Coast teammates uh, use that one quite a bit. I had not heard that one before, but apparently that is the thing. So we'll go with it. <laughs> well, let's go with our underdogs this week. And uh, I've made Derek wait for his favorite. I'll announce your underdog first here, Derek. Uh, Eagles 
plus three and a half against Dallas. Fly Eagles fly on the road to victory as you make yourself happy, hopefully with an upset, and you make our uh, correspondent in the field, Sean, happy as well, as we all know he is an Eagles fan at heart. Um, I'm going to go ahead and stay on the eastern side of the U.S. for my contest, but I'm going to take a underdog that is on the west coast. But they're traveling across the coast. Give me Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams plus seven against the Ravens in Baltimore. I think they're going to cover. Uh, the Ravens have looked dang good at home this year against some NFC teams. At some point, something's got to give. I do think Kyron Williams is back and looks good. Matthew Stafford has looked good. Hopefully Pukunukua is healthy. We'll see exactly what happens, but Rams plus seven, I'm taking it. Uh, John, who's your underdog this week? My underdog is the Colts at the Bengals. Uh, the Bengals somehow, some way, have been disguising a good quarterback as a terrible quarterback until just last night. Uh, Monday Night Football, uh, somehow there was um, Jake Browning throwing to Jamar Chase, and I just somehow decided he was going to be good at football from the second quarter on. Um, but I think that um, Gardner Minshew and his uh, mustache – will triumph. I think that the Colts pull it out over the favored Bengals. Uh, the Colts were the favorite on that one, I thought. It's the, oh. the Bengals plus the one and a half. Are you taking the Bengals or are you taking the Colts to to get that W? Uh, it's so close. Um, you know what? I think the underdog being the Bengals will triumph over the mustache. The mustache just isn't that powerful. Uh, random tidbit for John, Jake Browning, Washington Husky, Gardner Minshew, Washington State Cougar. Uh, I think that there might be some bad blood between these two. I can't, I'm going to double check if they were in college at the same time, because I think that there's a chance. Yeah, they, they actually had some of the, they would have played each other in the Apple Cup back in 2018. So, uh, definitely something to randomly note and be curious about when they take the field to see if they are united in Washington, you know, making the college football playoff or probably not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> last but not least, the Apple Cup goes to Cincinnati. <laughs> I mean, they, I'd probably rather have an apple than some Skyline chili, but maybe that's just me. Uh, let's go to some over-unders this week. Uh, we already did Derek's in his wild card right off the bat because it was the early game of the week. I'm going to go with an over because I have two teams here that I just don't trust their defenses, and I think their offenses are going to show up. Give me the Vikings Raiders over 40 and a half, as I have a feeling that the pastronaut Josh Dobbs is going to show up, and he's going to make some good things happen fresh off of the Vikings by and the Raiders by. I think that the the offenses are going to come out with a little bit of different looks. And uh, also uh, Josh Jacobs is going to run for three touchdowns in this game 
for no no reason at all other than uh I want him to. Go Josh Jacobs. Uh you you don't do you have him on your fantasy team or something? Uh one of them. Yes, I do. <laughs> one of them. Uh John, who is your wild card this week? My wild card is uh the Jaguars and the Browns. Uh and also in that uh unfortunate game for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence, high ankle sprain, maybe isn't playing in this next, um, matchup. And Dorian Thompson Robinson is still maybe probably not playing. So we get the backup quarterbacks. We get, uh, help me with this name, uh, Caleb Bethard. CJ Bethard. Oh, a former Iowa quarterback, former Iowa quarterback. Against uh, maybe P.J. Walker, maybe Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Who knows? I'm going under. the. These teams can score a lot, but I don't think they will. Hey, I just want to go wacko for Flacco, and I want to see Joe Flacco continue to make appearances and make options for me when I am trying to figure out people who've played for almost every organization in pro football because uh, we now have Joe Flacco all over the place. Um, Joe Flacco, primarily a Raven. That's where people know him first and foremost. But now we have gotten him added as a Denver Bronco, a New York Jet, and a Cleveland Brown. So. That is a thing that we can talk about. But uh, I think that you're probably correct that they will go under the 30 and a half in that contest. Should be windy. And that does not make it easy to play there at all. And that is all we have for this episode of Brody Sports Talk. If you like what we're giving out, make sure that you follow us on Twitter or X, depending on what you like to call it, at uh at Brody Talk on there. Uh, you can also find our links to various podcast platforms where you can subscribe, possibly leave a five-star review in our link tree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Brody Talk. On behalf of our great guest, John, thanks for joining today. And our absent Captain Orange, my name is Caleb Walgren, and we are signing out. Later, y'all. Bye, guys.